This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, Friday the 20th of January. And of course, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C, Chong Jensen and I'm Wong Xiaoning. For those who are driving back home, uh, please do safe, stay safe on the road. We already got a WhatsApp from one of our listeners, CJ Paul, who did make some reference to what I call the car parks of now, which were basically the highways have turned into car parks. And he showed us a picture of Tapa. And yes, it is a car park. So I think traffic must be starting to be very, very heavy. So do stay safe. Uh, in the meantime, in about 30 minutes, we'll be speaking to Justin Chan. He is one wand. How to pronounce this word? When? Wand? Wand. wand like wand. a magical wand. Like yeah. magical wand, yeah. Wand bearer from CLSA on what will make money based on feng shui. But actually his day job, he's a research associate, by the way. <laughs> he's not a wizard. He's not a wizard. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. So for US markets, the Dow and the S&P 500, they were both down by 0.8%, the third consecutive day of declines. The Nasdaq was down by 1%. In Asian markets, the Nikkei was down by 1.4%. Hang Seng down by 0.1%. The Shanghai Composite, it was up by 0.5%. The Straits Times Index, it was down by 0.4%. And the FBM KLCI was up by 0.05%. Still short of the magic 1500 number. Okay, quite close. 1,496 points is where we stand currently. But for more on where international markets are heading, we speak to Brian Assis. He's the Portfolio Manager and Equity Analyst at Ford Asset Management. Good morning, Brian. I just want to have a recap of what happened uh, last night for US markets because this is the third day for stocks there to fall. Uh, I think a lot of it due to the fact that people are concerned over rising interest rates and the impact it has on economic growth, while earnings uh, concerns that there will be some margin compression. Do you think that this uh, basically negative sentiment will prevail for the rest of the month? I think, well, good morning. Uh, I, I do think that, I mean, the market started the year uh, on quite a positive note. In, investors have been happy, not only in the U.S., but globally, that inflation seems to have peaked uh, and has started to come down, particularly on the good side. Certainly, services inflation, we haven't seen that come down yet. But that's really buoyed markets globally um, and also in the U.S., but investors are now beginning to get concerned that the higher interest rates, which are likely to continue to go up, though at a slightly slower pace, will begin to weigh on economic growth. And so given where U.S. valuations are, it's not unreasonable to expect the market to continue to be under pressure from these higher interest rates. So what investment strategies then should one adopt? So in our mind, you really need to take a barbell approach at the moment. I mean, Inflation, though it has rolled over, is still reasonably high. And in, in that environment, I mean, you want to own inflation-protected securities. So on the equity side, investing in companies that either own real assets or have real pricing power. So they're able to price at least in line with inflation or perhaps even higher for the strongest ones. Um, and you also need to have a balance between a defensive portfolio in the event that a uh, a proper or a deeper recession results um, from these higher rates, but a portfolio that can also take advantage of the fact that at the moment, economies are actually doing quite well. 
And um, Brian, I would like to get some insights on the bank results. The fourth quarter results for US banks have been mixed so far with Goldman results underwhelming and also Morgan Stanley's results, uh, which also didn't do as well. How do you expect earnings of Asian financial institutions to perform in comparison to their US counterparts? Yeah, it's a great question. So some of the US trading banks um, do have different dynamics at play there, in particular Goldman and Morgan Stanley. And business uh, on the IPO side, for example, and on the deal side has certainly slowed. Ultimately, for traditional banking sector, it is quite tied to the underlying economy. And if we look at GDP growth, of Asian countries relative to their Western counterparts, it still continues to hold up much better. So we're looking at mid-single-digit uh, GDP growth in many Asian countries and ASEAN countries relative to low single-digit or even slightly negative uh, GDP growth in Western economies. So for that reason, um, and the fact that China's reopening will also be a buoy to many Asian economies, uh, that that. Asian banks should do well as we move through the first half of the year. Okay, Brian, I want to go back to how we can make money this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key thing, right? Excellent. Okay, yes. So you want to adopt a barbell approach, but if I wanted alpha, where do I go and look for it? Yeah, so I think in our minds, alpha is always available on a stock-specific basis. So what you really need to do is look at the underlying earnings of each of the companies that you're interested in investing in. Because at the end of the day, companies that are growing their earnings, the valuation of those companies or the value there will improve uh, over time. And there's no substitute uh, for earnings growth. So ultimately, if a company is growing its earnings, at least in line with inflation, then it will be worth more tomorrow than it is today, as long as you're paying a reasonable multiple for it. So for us, from a, a sector basis, that barbell approach means that we're still invested in quality companies that are growing their earnings in defensive sectors, which would be consumer staples, for example, and healthcare, but are also inve invested in sort of, quote unquote, new economy sectors uh, like technology and platform companies. And in particular, with China's reopening, invested in Chinese uh, technology platform companies where valuations are still significantly below uh, where U.S. valuations are of uh, the comparative companies. Okay, Brian, uh, but how much harder will it be to find such companies in 2023? Because if we're heading into an economic slowdown and you can already see a lot of corporates giving guidance, weaker guidance, and also being more conservative when it comes to let's say, hiring or even firing or more aggressive when it comes to firing. What, is this, what does this then mean? No, it, it is going to be more difficult and investors need to be more selective. I think the, there won't be a straight line up to the right for markets this year. That's for certain, particularly for expensive markets. But what we saw last year and what's likely to continue this year is that valuations and value actually matters and fundamentals matter. So when you look at the difference in markets, you see the U.S. market broadly trading at sort of 17 times earnings and Asian markets in particular, China trading at nine or 10 times earnings. So you have a massive valuation gap. So you know where to begin looking for equities. And the Chinese market in that regard is inexpensive and quite attractive. <laughs> Even when you go to the second level and look at earnings growth, you have earnings growth 
of many Chinese companies in the mid-teens range relative to U.S. earnings growth that's sort of in the 5 to 7% range on a two- or three-year view. So it makes sense to shop for equities in Asia um, and to be a bit more cautious and expect in expensive Western markets. Just focusing on that barbell strategy, your defensive side, where you talked about, you know, making that focus on consumer and healthcare. We just saw some very weak consumer data from the US and of course healthcare valuations are through the roof. Can you perhaps unpack what specific, you know, opportunities are there in in the defensive side of that part of the barbell? Exactly. So consumer can be quite broad. So what we would want to do is sort of stay away from companies that would be in the more consumer cyclical areas. So expensive, durable goods, for example, washing machines, refrigerators, uh, even cars. So these need to be purchased, but on much less frequency. But what tend, the companies that tend to hold up well in that consumer space would be packaged goods companies. So uh, Nestle, for example, um, or uh, Procter & Gamble. So selling day-to-day consumer, quote-unquote, staples, goods that people need, um, those tend to hold up quite well, and they also tend to have reasonable pricing power during inflationary periods. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. That was Brian Assis, Portfolio Manager and Equity Analyst at Ford Asset Management saying if you want to look for alpha, you still have to go for the growth stocks. And his recommendation, look at China because they're just cheaper valuations available there. But Mm. it looks like you do need to get, roll up your sleeves and get working and finding those names because it's a bottom-up approach versus a uh, top-down approach. Yeah, I think it says that definitely to focus on earnings and stock picking. And in the China market, it says valuations are still roughly at single digit, 9 to 10 times versus US, S&P with about 17 times. And also earnings growth of the Chinese companies appear to be better at about mid-teens versus most of the US corporates, which are sub-10%. Yeah, because when you look at how the Chinese market has done, right? Hang Seng Index peak uh, 30,000 points, currently just only 21,000 points. So a lot more upside there. But I want to turn our attention to one of the, you know, a stock that all of us probably have at home or we at least can relate to, and that is Netflix. They released results and uh, their share price actually went up after closing because they had, despite a big earnings miss, because the company added million more subscribers in the fourth quarter than what Wall Street expected. I think the other big news was that co-CEO Reed Hastings also announced that he will be stepping down from his position and transitioning to the post of executive chairman. Now, Greg Peters, the company's chief operating officer, has been promoted to co-CEO alongside the already established Ted Sarandos. And in terms of net income, it fell from $607 million a year ago to just $55 million. Revenue rose by just under 2% to $7.85 billion. And in terms of outlook, they're predicting revenue growth in the first queue of 2023 will rise by 4%, slightly higher than what Wall Street is expecting at about 3.7%. Okay, what's interesting about Netflix is that they've come up with a clear succession plan, right? And people have been comparing it with the likes of Disney, where it was, you know, we traded one bob for another bob and then we mm. got back the old bob. Yeah. So not the best situation. Well, Netflix has been a little bit clearer in terms of what they intend to do. 
I think one of the interesting things about this quarter's results is that they're now adding this ad-supported services, which was basically now a, a paid membership subscription that comes through. So more money per paid membership. Hence, why you're seeing that shift away from reporting subscriber numbers to actual top-line revenue numbers. Yeah, so no more guidance in terms of uh, ads. Now, if you look at the street, I think very divided on this stock. So 25 buys, 23 holes, 4 sells, consensus target price for the stock, 324 US dollars. The last done bef- uh, regular market hours was actually down 10 US dollars and 55 cents to 315 US dollars and 78 cents. But the share price did bounce 6% after results came out in after hours trading. Not cheap though. If you look at the forward PEs, we're talking about 30 times PE. Mm. Yeah. Uh, is it worth it? What? How do you, you know, value this? Is it a media company? Is it a technology company? Is it a consumer company? Or is it a hybrid? I presume the latter is the safest answer. But again, it comes back to the question we had about valuation and opportunity of growth for this business going forward. Has it reached its peak? As you know, it's a very saturated market. It is, but I think they're doing some things. One of which is they're no longer going to allow you to share passwords. I'm looking at all of you, by the way. But they'll be starting in Latin America first before they move to Asia. And of course, you've got this uh, cheaper service, but you've got to endure ads. So maybe we might see ADEX from uh, Netflix, those will be the drivers. And I think if they can keep an eye on content, make their content costs lower, then we'll probably see growth. But up next, we'll be covering the top stories in newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.